Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Apologies, it's a day late. Uh, hopefully that hasn't disrupted uh, disrupted your week too much. Um, to be honest, I was thought there might have been a bit of news out of the, the Welsh Rugby Union by now, but uh, as it stands, uh, Wayne Pivak is still the coach, although the speculation is that he is likely to move on and Warren Gatland is set to be named a coach in the, in the short term anyway. Uh, so we'll see how that story unfolds, a story that was broken by good friend of the pod, regular guest, uh, Steph Thomas, um, broken in the Times yesterday, so always exciting. And we had, we had Gatland on recently as well. We have got the we got our finger on the pulse for once. Um, so, well, I say that as I'm recording it a day late. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Me and the mighty Murph. Um, Murph's had uh, one week off, and in that time we've lost to Georgia and also, uh, and also thrown away a 21-point lead to Australia. So, yeah, lots for us to get our teeth stuck into. Uh, and unfortunately, a sad note to start the pod on as well um, with the death of Doddy Weir, much loved uh, Scottish rugby player. And you know, you'll, all, you'll all know who Doddy is, but um, one of those players I think you had just an amazing relationship with fans from all nationalities, really. But I think particularly in Wales, you know, the, the, um, the Doddy Weir Cup is contested between Wales and Scotland. And I think a lot of those trophies are often quite pointless but it was quite poignant the fact that it's named after Doddy and he was able to see the first kind of five or yeah I think five of them um be played out so um yeah a much loved figure from within the world of rugby so uh, yeah really really sad news um to start on which puts all of the yeah all of the rest of the stuff into into context but um yeah anyway we hope you uh, enjoyed this episode of the pod and uh, yeah we'll be back to talk rugby with you soon uh also yeah if you want to subscribe so if we ever are late um then you can make sure you get notified so if you subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you get your pods then you shouldn't miss out right on with the show in Duddy Weir smashes further Weir has scored Duddy Weir is the man who's over his fourth drive for Scotland and the two old Melrose colleagues were in it 
And this really, if we can assume that Scotland are winning this game, has been a game fashioned by the forwards. And nobody more prevalent than Johnny Weir has worked tirelessly all day. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. This is going to be an interesting one, Murph, isn't it? We've uh, we've had you off. You only took one week off, and um, mm. what's what's happened since? Wales have lost to been Georgia. Quiet. It's been quiet since I've been off. Wales have lost to Georgia, and then that was followed a week later by what you've just described as the most depressing forty-eight hours in sport. Well, we sport, t- yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sport, yeah. We, yeah. Won't, we won't touch on the football, um, no. but uh, yeah, Wales then blow a twenty-one point lead. Uh, against a second slash third string Australia side. Uh, yeah. I want to get your take. I'm, I'm just going to kind of like wind you up and uh, and let you go uh, yeah. in a minute. But um, yeah, just worth saying at the time of recording, uh, Wayne Pivak is still in charge of Wales, although he's abandoned a, a recce to France. And uh, you know, lots of uh, lots of papers are reporting this that. He is going to be moved on very, very quickly with Warren Gatland, the, the front runner to take over. Uh, that news was broken by uh, by Steph Thomas of this of this parish, of course, finger on the pulse, um, as always. As I said to him yesterday, he's making more, more headlines than Charlotte Church these days. Um, but from your perspective, mate, let's start with Georgia. Just how bad a defeat was that? Yeah. Um, and, you know... Uh... It, that feels like a long time ago now. It does, uh, doesn't it? Yeah, it's weird. Um, and it, it, we did, you know, you know the thing where we always complain about the the, the third game in the autumn, which is the yeah. weak opposition. We always make loads of changes, and then we always play awful and scrape a win against the crap side, you know all that. But we didn't make many changes, and yet yeah. we were still we were still awful, and. The right team was uh, half time. We looked like okay, we might kick on again and everything be fine. But then a couple of fluff chances, not not even chances, just like botched line out moves or, or whatever happened. A couple of unforced errors, and it just deflated everyone on the pitch, everyone in the stands. And I, I, I don't even know. Look, the the issue there is we've become. Less than the sum of our parts as a team. Yeah, that's that's the whoever point, takes it, whoever he picks, it, it turns into less. That's why we lost against Italy. That's why we lost against Georgia. That's why we shipped a massive lead against Australia because we're less than the sum of our parts, man for man. We're, I, I won't go into too far down this road in case it gets awkward, but man for man, we're clearly a better team than Georgia, um, apart from the scrum, obviously. But yeah. you know, um, we're clearly a better side, and yet we managed to. You know, get beat by a, a, um, a, sec- a lower second tier or higher—I don't know if they're lower second tier or higher second tier nation, but um, no, lower. They're lower second tier nation. I think that I think they would be. Yeah, yeah. in European terms, they're higher. But when you factor yeah. in the the South Sea Islands sides, and, exactly. Yeah, um, and others around the world. Yeah, it's it's really not a good. Um, it's not a good one. And also, <coughs> um, hate to hate to dig you out on this early doors but um you are old enough to remember the uh, the defeats against uh, against Romania and Canada more clearly than I than I would yeah how does this one rank in terms of uh in terms of most embarrassing defeats you've seen as a Wales fan um the one that hurt me the most was um it's not even really in hindsight it's not a shock now but at the time it was, was the World Cup 91 losing to Samoa. Mm. Not just losing Samoa, getting absolutely filled in and battered. Yeah. Like uh, all our biggest players were going off injured because they were just getting munched by the likes of 
a young Pat, Pat Lamb, Lamb and yeah. Apollo Perellini. Apollo Perellini. That's the one. Uh, and the likes of them. And Fati, so that's your offer was playing that day as well, wasn't he? I think. Yeah. I, I, oh, uh, Brian Lima, I imagine yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and that, it, so, in hindsight, that explains why <laughs> why they got filled in. But at the time, it was like, oh my god, this is pretty much a home World Cup, and we've just been, you know, humbled at home on our pitch. Um, the other the other games like the Romania thing, it, it was a half-assed fixture. Like yeah. you know, no one really wanted to go, and it, it didn't surprise anyone. Or well, did surprise, but it was embarrassing. But it, it wasn't the same kind of thing. This was an important do or die game against Samoa, and we got absolutely battered. So that one felt worse at the time to me. Um, and Canada, you know. <laughs> That <laughs> they were good players in the Canada side, like the likes yeah. of Al Sharon and Gareth Reese and one of these. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, I don't know. It, it's in us to just kind of lack motivation against weak sides and then get beat. But you can't do it twice in the same calendar year. Yeah, I think that's it. And at home both times as well. You oh. know, I think I think back to the ones that really and and you're absolutely right with the World Cup one against Samoa made it makes it much worse because there's so much on the line and then you know the the Fiji one in in, in 2007 obviously Fiji aren't a you know aren't a complete dud side whatsoever we just went out that day I think with a degree of complacency and then tried to take them on in a game of sevens which is about <laughs> yeah. the most ill-advised thing you could ever do a, a lot of people had called Fiji to beat us a long a long way out from the World Cup on that occasion but we just can't yeah like you said we we played directly into their hands you know, so um, which brings us nicely to the World Cup next year, where of course we have Australia and Fiji in the same group again. Yeah. Uh, we and Georgia, have, and we also have Georgia, <laughs> who, who, who at the time no one really saw as a banana skin, but yeah. but, clear, but clearly they did. Yeah. Uh, with all that in mind, there was no option after the Georgia defeat, surely, for the WRU to um, to keep Pivak on, was there? Um, well. I- Actually, I, I was worried when we were a long way up in, against Australia. I was worried if we continue scoring and this turns into 40 plus points, maybe even pushing on towards 50 because it looked like that way. <laughs> Sometimes I was thinking, oh, no, they're going to they're gonna give him a, uh, a pass and keep him. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, that, that, that was, I wasn't even wishful thinking. You know, that was dreamland because we caved completely. Uh uh, look, I, I, I wanted him gone after the Italy game, so there's no point in me giving my opinion. The WIU, it looks as though they, the, the way that um, he's been, like you mentioned earlier, he's been stopped from travelling to France, and this planned review they keep quoting yeah. in, in in quotation marks in in headlines everywhere. Um, it looks like they had made their mind the WIU had made their mind about the Georgia that he'd have to go, and. Um, Things are in motion now. I dare say he's being called down, <laughs> called down to the office or something. Or I think so. Yeah. I think yourself or someone said they're printing his P forty five as we speak. <laughs> that, that wasn't me. All right. um, but it's. Uh, I know exactly what you mean with regards to the Australia game. There's definitely a point where I thought that might be that might be the case. And in a way, it it probably would have been better for him to lose like sixteen nine. Do you know what I mean? Like one of those scores. Oh, Australia scored in the first half, mm. and then we never quite. Oh, and then a, an air of respectability to the score. But to blow a lead that big, yeah. And a side that I think I saw it quite somewhere. There's 
40 players missing from that Australia side for one reason or another and obviously of varying degrees of quality. But there's a lot of... Yeah, yeah their, their, fir- their first string was was not a part of that, really, well, aside from a few of the younger players who've established themselves over the autumn. Exactly. I, I, you know, and they have actually, uh, in true Aussie fashion, uh, unearthed some gems as a result. That yeah. winger looks really good. Uh, but it's important, I think, to remember, in amongst everything else that's going on, if Australia were anywhere near full strength, we would not have been 21 points up no, at wouldn't. all. Because the way they were caving at the driven lineout is just, it's just with Will Skelton in the side, it just would not happen. Or, or, or uh, um, uh, the other guy who's CEO, who's away to Exeter, not Exeter, Leicester, is there, I anyway, outside the window, so he couldn't play for Australia. Players like that, just it just would not, we would not have gone into such a big lead. In fact, it would have been the usual tight game with them winning at the end, probably. They were full strength. Um, so that, 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 you know, that the, the words used in in the commentary were a patched together side mm-hmm. and in certain positions, third choice players. Um, so that's why we were so far in front and makes it all the more balmy that we managed to completely cave in. It all started with a, with a interception. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, and, and, and obviously uh, not something you expect to say. It's a typical, typical trip dimmed in the end. It's not a player who's kind of, renowned oh. for professional fouls and the wheels yeah. just came off thereafter yeah. Yeah. and it's really interesting there you said um the bit you said at the start of the show about Samoa being you know such a painful defeat because it it really mattered and I think that's the thing with the, with these games that game to me even if we'd have won it looked like two sides that have been flogged to death by their respective unions that was Australia's 15th test of the season yeah yeah um I don't know how I can't remember which what number it is for Wales but it's outside the window. It is for both sides. It's last men standing. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it is who's available. Who's available to play? Have you got a mate who can pick you up from, um, from Bedwas on the way into on the way into Cardiff <laughs> to play? Can you please just pull together a side? Yeah. And so you know to gauge to gauge anyone based on that result. If we if we'd have won it, would have been wouldn't have been right. It wouldn't have been true form. And the fact that we then blew a monstrous lead just I, that that tells you something that. Um, it tells you something about where that that side is, and I think you hit yeah. the nail on the head when you said it's less than some of its parts. Yeah, you know, and, and the expressions on the players' faces, the body language of the players. Yeah. You know, they talk they, they they talk about losing the dressing the dressing room and that kind of nonsense. But the players got an expression which is a cross between shell shock mm. and grief mm. <laughs> because they know they 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 you know they're representing their country, but they. Uh, as aware as anyone else that it's likely to go wrong at any second and they're, they're powerless to stop it and that and uh, you know the ultimate well the only uh, uh, responsibility lies with the coach if you've got to set up the system they, the system they're, whatever they're trying to play to doesn't work they don't believe in it and they know everything's likely to fall apart and you can see it on their faces yeah I mean the weird thing was is that there was there was a half decent bit of rugby played at certain points during that side. You know, I, I thought Alan Wynne Jones had his best game again, taking into account the opposition and everything. Yeah. But he had his best game for a long time, I thought, and mm. obviously went out there with a point to prove to try and dampen down any criticism that he was past it and played in a very different manner and looked to, you know, looked to, to offload one handed and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, there were glimmers of hope, which in a way makes it even worse the fact that everything just came 
crumbling down in the last 15 minutes of the game. So, yeah, yeah but it, I mean, it's it's one of those. I think you're right. I, I'm fairly certain that they made up their mind after the after the Georgia game, having backed him through the through the summer after Italy. I think to lose to both at home is it's just you know it's unacceptable. And the interesting thing for me, and also as well, like, I mean, you see a lot of a lot of horrible stuff get written on social media, and I spent far too much time on Twitter this weekend, and. It's nothing personal, of course. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I'm sure he's a really. I'm sure he's a really nice bloke, and there's no need for any personal attacks on it, on him at all. No. But it's just you know the, the evidence of it is that this is not working. Yeah. But you know you can't win three games with that squad of players uh, in the in the course of a season. Lose at home to Italy. Lose at home to Georgia. Whether it's one year out from a World Cup or it's four years out, you can't expect that to happen and there not to be repercussions. Yeah, I I I, I don't know who the driver behind a decision at the WIU will be exactly. I, I know it's, you know, a board and a committee and all this thing, but who's in the WIU is going to say, okay, that's, that's enough. I can't, we mm. can't keep this guy now that uh, whatever anyone else from the table thinks I'm saying, we can't carry on. And I think they probably only persevered after uh, the other, it's not, just, you know, things weren't going well before the Italy game. You know, mm. we'd had a terrible Six Nations before that, and and there was other periods where we'd been poor, and that his his uh, win rate across the three years that he's been in charge is not good. So you know, it was already shaky. He needed he needed a good Six Nations, and then he needed a good autumn as well to keep his job. Uh, and I think the only reason they persevered with him this long is because it's expensive to get to the severance is expensive, yeah. and on the back of you know the economic situation with coming back from COVID. Yeah, in fairness, you know we we've talked about this fourth game, the outside the window game, is the one that is the profit game. Everything else mm. pays the bills, and then this game is the profit. Well, even England are doing an outside the window game this time. Yeah. If they normally, if they do an outside the window game, it's against the bar bars with the second string England side. You know what I mean? And all, all the good players are back at their club or or they're resting or whatever. But even Nadia did a full international this year, and that's because they're all in recovery mode from from uh, the losses. Um, and I think that is probably kept Wayne in a job, the lack yeah, of money for a while. I, I think um, it has. But now it's you know now that I think they their hands are tied. You know I don't think they've got anywhere to go, but they're going to have to fork out. And it's lucky I think uh, really that Gatland is available because I think most other options, if you look at the betting uh, for for the next Wales coach, most of those people are not available. I know. You look down it and it's yeah, Scott Robertson, Ronan O'Gara. Yeah, yeah. You think they're not they're not gonna take it now. Even if they took yeah. it off the World Cup, they're not gonna take it now. Yeah. So you look down that and then after that you start to think, right, well, okay, where are we heading with this? Liz yeah. Truss, Penny Morden, who's yeah. you know, yeah. what 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 yeah, are we actually exactly. looking at here? Well even if you pay out to, to the severance to Wayne Pivak, let's see by some miracle Scott Robertson was interested, you've got to buy him out of his existing contract at the yes, Crusaders. So it gets even more expensive that way. Uh, and, and according to, I think, I don't know if it was Squid Rugby or someone who knows what they're talking about, unlike myself on, on Twitter, said that uh, he's already been spoken to by the New Zealand RFU. And he's also got a fallback option of the, the England RFU if, yeah. if, if it doesn't come off. So why you want to talk to us now with a side in this state is uh, even though, you know, leaving aside the fact that he's still tied into his current contract. So he, he's actually second favourite. And the, uh, if what Squidge says is right, it's the weakest second favourite in every, any betting event there's ever been. Um, I, I would, you know, 
Gatlin's price is shortening all the time, so it's probably not probably no one else in the running. I would I would argue. Yeah, I, well, you're absolutely right. I think that you, you take a look around the world of rugby, and there's not there those options just aren't there. Yeah. And there's no point doing it and saying right, well, let's take a punt on someone for a year. You need someone to come in and do an absolute clean up operation here, don't you? That's mm. that's the the realms we're looking at. Just to go back to a point, this is something that we spoke about with with Steph last week. Is the financials have definitely played a big part in why Pivak is still in a job at this stage. But at the same time, you have to look at it and say, what would the financial impact of keeping him in place now and then having a disastrous World Cup? How are you going to sell tickets for those World Cup warm-up games, which is something I mentioned last week? Mm-hmm. And then if you do sleepwalk out of, a, of a, the pool stages, what is that going to do? You know, we're at a stage, it happened in 2007 and that was bad. But we're also at a stage now where there is so much more competition for attention, whether it's other sports and football is thriving mm. in Wales, you know, and then you've you've also got entertainment factors, whether it's Netflix, Xbox, whatever it might be. Mm. How are you gonna, you know, how are you gonna capture an audience? And it's not it's not walking out of a of a World Cup at the group stages when the eyes of the world are actually on, yeah. on Wales. So it's, it's even deeper than that. I mean, people yeah, it is. people it is. people watch. You mentioned competition for. Uh, people's time, all the other things that are competing. You can't even get people to look up from their mobile phone when they're watching TV anymore. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's sports. People watch half watch sport over the top of their phone these days. Mm. You know, that's how much competition. I think you know we I covered it before. The Gallagher Premiership, the penny has dropped over there mm. because their games have gone completely open since the. Uh, pandemic they've realized that in the entertainment business and they've stopped being up to jump uh, most of them they will pick and go still at the line but the 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 goal line dropout has killed the effectiveness of that because you used to be guaranteed to scrum back if it went pitching so they've bailed on that and they've just gone all out you know all the games are like 38 39 44 40 you know it's, it's just a complete turnaround over there and, and and i think it can't be by mistake they they've decided that they, they if they're going to compete they've got to be more entertaining um it's not uh, a bad approach though Murph I wouldn't no. mind seeing it from the rule makers of the of the sport as well to be honest we're yeah, at a stage yeah. where games often last two hours long with the amount of interference from the TMO over the most menial of mm. things mm. and I just think we've got to a stage where we've had the TMO for what 20 years or so about that isn't it you know for, initially it was just for grounding over the line and stuff like that yeah but, I don't know yeah, but yeah. more the more and more we've used it, the more and more we've realised that there is stuff going on all over the field, and you've got to you've got to find the the way to use it that means the game is most interesting, right? So if there's if there's serious foul play, if someone's nutted someone or stamped on them out, outside the shot, yeah, of course, bring it back for that. Minor infringements, I'm not interested in. Mm. Also, as I say every single week. If you're going to take a look at a shot to the head, can we just start sending people off again? There's so many messy things that you could be doing to make the game more interesting and more safe and mm. get people more interested in playing it from a grassroots up level. And mm. that's, the, that's the situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's difficult not to get really depressed about <laughs> rugby union, isn't it? it is. what, what I will say, uh, just going slightly off, topic i suppose is there's a lot of uh media types or twitter types now talking about um changing the coach won't fix anything 
you know the, the wider problems and all that but uh, do you know what that I'm doesn't really glad you put, i'm really yeah. glad you brought this up yeah. we're gonna we're gonna take a really quick break okay. and then I, and then i'm gonna uh, then i'm gonna let i'm gonna let you go on it because this is definitely a big thing i want to give you a take <laughs> on okay. right murph's murph's hot take on that coming up after this quick break <laughs> Right, Murph. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Lots of people on Twitter saying that uh, changing the coach doesn't fix it. I think I think Mike Phillips was one of those people saying that as well, actually. Um, well, the wider is... problems they talk about, you know, all yeah. there's much deeper problems in the. Yeah, but you can't just because the WIU as an organisation is pretty dysfunctional, and you know the game is in real trouble. Uh, participation is dwindling. Grassroots is struggling. The professional clubs are. Um, as we know very well in a mess uh, that doesn't mean you can keep winning <laughs> it's, mm. it's two separate things you know yeah. it, it no one's no one anywhere thinks changing the national coach is going to fix everything by any means but it doesn't mean you just because there's wider problems doesn't mean you can keep the guy uh, and like you mentioned I don't wish him any harm and I don't, I don't you know I don't want to slag him off it just it's, it's just it's a, it's just a fact that he, he's not good enough and therefore you've got to get rid of him uh but all this other stuff we we've i suppose some of it is because because it's going badly and people are talking about sacking the coach there's more people paying attention that wouldn't normally be paying attention to the po- yeah. rugby politics that we end up dwelling on uh, but we know it's been going on for months and years and you know it, it could go you could go into a really deep dive over where, where the the actual beginning of the problems were but we know it's pre-existing and and even the agm um recently where there was the vote just didn't go through and you know i, I my club my club were there i did, i couldn't go because it was a it was a sunday morning but two representatives from my club were there the proposal to have um I, I forget the details of it now. To, an to, independent chairman. To, to be able to appoint an independent chairman without having to consult the clubs. Mm-hmm. That was basically what it was. Um, both the votes from my club were in support. Two or three clubs stood up in that meeting and questioned it, but they didn't. They weren't arguing with the principal. <laughs> the main gist of their argument was, you, the WIU, haven't explained properly how this works. Mm. So the, the WIU failed to make their case properly that's basically what happened no one was especially against it and the, the guy, uh, my colleague as to her who, who was in the room said there was people like that um i won't name them because it doesn't make any difference who it was really who were who were um uh just dubious because they hadn't had the case explained to him properly and then he said the rest because it worked out to about 35 percent or something like that and voted against the rest of them just don't simply don't trust the wiu which history proves is a very good position to hold so that's why that vote didn't go through i, I think mo- there might have been one or two disagreed clubs who disagreed with it but on the whole it was basically people saying that you haven't made the case properly you haven't explained exactly how this going to work and just clubs with a with a with a automatic distrust of everything that WIU ever says and does, yeah, and that's why that's why that particular calamity in in the recent history of uh, our sport uh, came to pass. But it, and well, it's also, right, you needed you needed seventy five percent to get that motion passed. Yeah, sixty five well, percent did vote. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, and you know it's right in a way that as a result the chairman's standing down. 
yeah. uh, because he, 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 I think he maybe he agrees with the people who said you haven't made the case properly and took that as his cue to get the hell out of the dodge. I don't know. I don't know what is he, I mean, obviously they give reasons in writing like family reasons and all this nonsense, but um, maybe, maybe he's just said, right. Well, I have, I've been a successful and maybe I, mm -hmm. I'm not, maybe I'm not up to the job. So um, now we're going to get Yian Evans or uh, another committee man from a small club somewhere around the country who will end up in charge. Um, but hopefully they'll, uh, this is the thing. We're probably going to wait for the next AGM. <laughs> Maybe they call an EGM. I don't know. We've got to wait for the next AGM to get round to the point where the opportunity is for the chairman to explain it well and properly and convince the room that is and provide some kind of detail over how it will work. And then maybe, hopefully, they can change the rules so it doesn't have to be five seventy-five percent to carry. Maybe. Well, it sounds a bit like a referendum, doesn't it? Maybe 50-50, um, and it can get it can go through. But that, that that's only the start of the that's only the start of the things that need to be fixed. There's much there's you know there's loads of other stuff, um, and uh, and that again, going back to my original point of why we got onto that subject is that's got nothing to do with the fact the coach can't coach. No, no, it hasn't, and that's exactly it. I think you have to look at is. Is, are there massive systemic governance problems with the Welsh Rugby Union and the whole setup of the game in Wales? Yes, there are. Should that should that side be beating Georgia and beating Italy at home? Yes, it should. Yeah. So the, you know there are there are definitely big things that that need to be addressed. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that you ignore the other things and just go right. Well, you you give the head coach a free ride because he's yeah. not been able to get success because there are problems elsewhere. Yeah, it, it, the logic, it just doesn't follow. We're going to keep this failing coach because we're also crap. <laughs> you know, it's, you, you can't, you know, uh, you just got no choice. It, uh, and I think the re maybe the reason why a lot of these journalists are making the point about this wider problem is because mm. now more people are listening, maybe. But um, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that, you know, it, if this was soccer, he would have been gone ages ago. Yeah, and again, yeah. I don't think that's necessarily a uh, a route that you want to go down because you know no, I, look at, no. I look at respective, you know, particularly kind of Premier League football teams and stuff mm. like that, and you think, well, actually, you don't get time enough to shape it. Therefore, players in the dressing room know that they've got more security than the coach. So if they just mm. stop playing, then they'll be there, and a new coach will take over. And that's not, I don't think that's a healthy way to run any sporting organisation, uh, and I, I certainly don't think it's one that that you can that you can do in rugby. And it also it ignores the fact that you can do that if you're Chelsea when you're backed by Abramovich, or you can do it when you're, you know, backed by a, a Gulf state like many of the the big football sides are. You, like we said, you know, the financials in Welsh rugby are absolutely crippling at the moment across all levels. So there's no way you can afford to do this. However, if you look at the bigger picture, for me, the the, the long term impact of the the health of the game in Wales and the the money that goes with it. Will be severely impacted if you go to the World Cup and and end up. Uh, you know, the, the best I think that they could hope for is that they beat Georgia and Fiji and get out of the group into the into the into the quarterfinals with the current setup. You know, based on all form, that's that's all I could see. If you bring Gatland in, who God knows by the time you listen to this, he might even be in. If you bring him in, I would trust that he would get a much better tune out of that set of players. To, I don't know whether we'd top the group or not, but you'd have a much better chance of it. Or even if you finish second, there is a, you know, a chance of taking on, I think it's England or Argentina, isn't it? In the, mm. uh, in the next round, which 
I still wouldn't back a Pivac led size to win. No. But would Gatlin fancy one of those? Yeah, absolutely. I think oh, he would. And and has the experience at three previous World Cups, knows the bulk of those players, knows that they'll go out there and play play for him. Um so you know, it that to me makes it makes perfect logical sense. Well and um your point there about he knows the players will go out there and play for him. I think they'd be delighted to have anyone else at the moment because mm. the point I made earlier about the looks on their faces as they're playing, you know, um, it'll be it'll be totally rejuvenating for most of them. I, I mean, a lot of people are making some points about selection. Um, various people not picked for this particular um, squad in my view but it, it, it is well beyond the point of who's playing at the moment it, mm. it, it, it is just literally a case of a, a gelling any 15 that happens to be Welsh and getting them to play together on the pitch properly and know, know what they're doing so I think um, I think obviously professional players keep their mouth shut but um, I think be, when, when if and when the announcement comes they'll be punching the air in their living room because um It'll be it'll be a chance to turn over turn the page for them all. I think this has always been my concern from the start was that, and again, this is not a you know an assassination on on Wayne Pivak. As I say, I don't know him at all, but to appoint someone who doesn't have a huge amount of a huge amount of silverware. Okay, so yeah, of course he did. You know, he did a tremendous job at the Scarlets to win the league and the the following. Uh, the following win in Europe, you know that 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 was an absolutely massive achievement. Mm. Uh, you know, sorry, the semi-finals in Europe that was definitely getting a side to punch massively above their weight. Mm. However, when Gatlin came in, he had Heineken cups and English premierships and MPC titles coming out of his ass. Mm. You knew that he'd straight away walk into that dressing room and be able to command it. And it all felt a little bit similar to the Gareth Jenkins scenario where yes. everyone, to be fair, Gareth Jenkins had won a hell of a lot more. Yeah, yeah. But it but it felt like someone who was used to used to one environment and was then having to take a big step up. And I just don't think you can do that at international level. My worry was always that he'd walk into that dressing room and it'd be very difficult to command the respect of players who've got hundred caps. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. I don't know if that's the case, right? I don't know. I'm just, but all you can go on is the the body language that we've seen, not just in the autumn campaign. I think for large chunks of Pivac's tenure. Yeah, it's a good point you make there about his record and uh, compared to other coaches, because when Pivac arrived at the Scarlets, uh, the fans hated him for the first season. Yeah, and then they suddenly turned into like a Harlem Globetrotter. I know I say that a lot, but they turned into an amazing side for about two seasons. Yeah. Then he was given the job, and then for the last eighteen months of his tenure, they were, died, yeah. they were garbage again. So they, the WIU, whoever makes that decision to appoint Wayne, based it on two good seasons at Clatley. Whereas I think it was, Gareth, I think it was Gareth, Gareth Davis and and Martin Phillips were probably the right. Yeah, well, certainly they were the two. But Gareth, Gareth Jenkins uh, would yeah. have had. Decades, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely <laughs> of right. good rugby at club level. Admittedly, one club and that backfired. So, yeah, it, 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 the, the thing is, with I'm all for appointing local coaches, which is effectively what Wayne is because he was coaching a regional mm. side, but uh, he's not obviously not Welsh, but it's still coaching a regional side. But he just it, the the track red track record just wasn't long enough. Mm. And when you when you took Barkley and Byrne out to that side, yeah. they were nowhere near as good again. Nowhere near as good again. And so it looks 
the decision now, because it was made a long way out, wasn't it, before Gatland had finished. The decision now looks really, really weak. Even if it had come off, even if Pivac had done quite well as coach, say, say he hadn't lost to Italy and <laughs> lost to Georgia and he won a couple of other games that he should have. Look, whatever happens, uh, we're, we're fairly certain he's going to get the boot. He still won a, a test in South Africa that no, one, mm-hmm. no other coach has ever done. So he's only, he was only the only the bad performances, if you took them out, he wouldn't be far away from keeping his job. But it, it, that aside, the, the appointment now, based on the fact that he had two good seasons at the region, <laughs> it looks really bad. I mean, it looks knee-jerk, doesn't it, from this distance now? It, and you're right. It and it also looks knee- cheap. Well, it wasn't a knee-jerk one, was it? Because, you know, like you say, it was done well over a year of mm. Gatland's ending his contract. So they... They, you know, they they made the decision early. To, I, I want to say it was like summer of 2018, and Gatland didn't go till after the World Cup. No. Yeah, well, so, when I when I say knee jerk, I mean, wow, this guy's got a side playing yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's make him national coach. Yeah, what, a, what no, about right. what about a few more years of getting a side to play well before you give him the biggest job in our country, uh, sport wise? Um, yeah, it, and look, you get into the realms of breaking the bank to get Gatland again for the next coach because mm-hmm. obviously if Gatland comes in, it's going to be until the World Cup and then he's looking for something else to do after the World Cup. So the appointment, the appointment, the important appointment is there. So that'll be, what, December uh, 2023. Yeah. That, that's going to be someone, it's going to be someone expensive, I would imagine, and it's going to be someone with a proper, if they're not an international coach already, it's going to be someone with proper long-term success at, uh, at club level. The word I think is it's it's pedigree. Yeah. So you know you look at the the most successful international coaches had that pedigree going into it. So obviously Gallen with us, um, you know even though Joe, Joe Schmidt, I know his World Cup record isn't isn't outstanding, but he achieved some amazing things with Ireland, albeit with a with a tremendous squad of players. You know he had you know had a, a fantastic pedigree, and then taken over from him, Andy Farrell. I know okay, perhaps didn't have all of the the silverware, no. but he had that pedigree and and that respect of a dressing room walking in. No one is going to piss around with Farrell. You no. know you knew that. From well, it, it, his his uh, pedigree is not just his coaching; it's his player, is who he is yeah. or was as a player. Whereas that that isn't that with uh, with uh, the. Pivac or, or other coaches you might you might name you know um, you pick in the, the character I think he'd already worked with the Lions at that stage as well before and England before he'd been he involved worked with the Lions twice I think yeah, yeah. so there was yeah. you know it was it was a long term line with him what was Pivac yeah. doing before the Scarlets employed him uh, he was Fiji head coach for a bit and before that he was a policeman <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know. Maybe it was his. Maybe it was his police work. But Aren't they coaching um, unprofessional rugby in Australia or something while he was. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't actually tell you what yeah. it was where he where he came to Scarlets from. But um, but yeah, you're right. It's um, in. I think in order to get though, you know, to get that right, you've you've got to have a, a serious pedigree, and 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 it wasn't there, so it was always going to be a risk. Mm. And you, when it comes to December 2023. It's not going to be cheap. Whoever you get is not going to be cheap. If you yeah. want someone who's who's going to be able to um, to have that proven track record, they they do not come cheaply for very good reasons. Yeah, and and again, your point of hundred cap players are they going to listen to someone who's not a big name? I I'd, no, I'm I'm not sure they they will. Um, or, or you know, it takes a certain character to be able to to command the respect of a dressing room of mm. 100, 150 cap players. Mm. 
it does that's it's a difficult thing to do mm. because they've they've been there and seen it all and you know, you've got to have a, a really strong reputation a big character and amazing man management skills to be able to to pull those things off and in a way at international level i think that's probably much more important than actually the nuts and bolts of the coaching yeah. you get so little time with the players you gotta get your selection right you gotta create an atmosphere where players want to play and they want to play for you and they buy into the whole system and if you do that then you've got a half decent chance of success if any one of those things goes wrong the whole thing goes to shit mm. at this at this distance who would you have after the next world cup oh my god there's a question <laughs> That's an absolutely brilliant question. I, I've said it before. I I don't think we've guessed Scott Robertson. See, that's the one everyone no, talks I about. I don't think he's got any attention of coming to Wales because he's don't. got the world. He's got the world to choose from. You know. Yeah, and I think uh, it would be a massive risk for him. I think Ronan O'Gara would be a risk as a as a head coach. I think he's an You know, I think he's got an outstanding um, an outstanding reputation, but he keeps getting dragged into niggly little spats in the press and yeah. uh, you know which is great for selling papers and for yeah. entertainment he hasn't but... really moved on from his playing days has he <laughs> no yeah he's just kind of there with a red face gobbing off at someone yeah um so i you know so i think you know i think that would be a big potentially a, a risk to take that step up i've said it before someone i've had my eye on for ages is jamie joseph i think he would be a, mm. you know I, I think if you're looking for someone who has test experience huge character and has implemented a style of play with a very limited pool of resources then he's someone i would um i, I would like to take a look at but that said you know like you it was you said a fortnight ago eddie jones got japan playing nice rugby and mm. england can't string three passes together so mm. it, it doesn't necessarily translate into that but yeah. um yeah i i would I, that for me the, the appeal for someone like joseph is it's the the experience at international level and that kind of clear rugby philosophy, if he could bring that to, to where he might take a look at Wales and go, you're not, you're not the players to do this. No. But at the moment we don't have a, any kind of philosophy and that's what kind of appeals to me at the moment. Yeah. Uh, there's quite a few around who, who appeal to me, but um, I've always been a Pat Lamb guy. I thought he should have been. I like Pat Lamb. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he should have been chased by Cardiff at various stages as well. Uh, but yeah, he's not an he's not international quality, international experience. But I don't think it, I don't think it would be an issue for him. Um, myself, uh, there's a, there's a few. I, I like the Jamie Joseph shout. Um, do, do you think Pat Lamb should have won more stuff though? Given that he's got tremendous riches at Bristol, I really like him for the record. Well, I really really like him. They're, they're wobbling. I be disappointed. Yeah. They're, they're wobbling now. Um, Semirandrandra is like a a key to everything mm. they do if they're going to go well and he's 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 unavailable all the time injured or whatever so um the uh, it, it it i mean it it depends how uh, you know the thing about difficult second album yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's going to be his difficult second wave because he's at this particular squad that he's put together mm. now he, he needs to freshen that squad up and see where if he can pull off another um like the the I suppose one of the issues for the English clubs now is the ever decreasing uh, salary cap. Yeah. So, so people, I mean, Pierre Towers looks like he's past his peak. And then he got sent me around around just too expensive. And then, so where did they go as a squad from there? I don't know why you ended up on a deep dive in Bristol, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it'll be, it'll be a good indicator of how 
good. He actually, I think I think we already know he's good because of what he was able to do at Connaught. But yeah. uh, if he can rejuvenate Bristol again, then he, you know, then he's going to start getting even bigger job offers. I would imagine. Yeah, uh, you're right. He's he's a, he's a coach I really really like. And mm. to, again, to go back to that point about him as a player and as a character, again, I think your dressing room listens to Pat Lamb. Yeah, I think it really does, sure. and and that's that's uh, absolutely crucial at this stage, as it was mm. post two thousand and seven when we needed someone to come in and, and really command the dressing room, show them the vision, and say, "Here's where we're headed." Yeah, I mean, it's, if you start going all over the world, there's plenty around. You know, I I wouldn't, you know, if if they could get Wayne Smith, uh, mm. that would be all right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, but it, it's just you look at the moment they're talking about Gatlin Temporary with, and they're also mentioning Steve Tandy alongside him. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the problem with Tandy is he's, again, he's contractually bound with the Scottish Rugby Union at the moment. Mm. So again, you've got to buy, mind you, there's, you, know, you have to buy people out regardless. You have to, you have to pay yeah. off the, the existing coaching staff as well if you want to get shot of them. Mm. The, the other one that's, that seems to be doing the rounds today is suggesting that Howley might come back with uh, Gatland. All right. Um, well, the only issue I, I was going to mention with uh, Steve Tandy is there's a lot of Ospreys in the squad who can remember when he went pear-shaped at the Ospreys. I have a theory about this. I think, you know, and maybe this is revisionist history, I, if you were to compare his reign in charge of the Ospreys versus all the other head coaches, mm. I actually don't think it stacks up badly at all. Because, no. you know, essentially the plug had been pulled on the Galactico era, so he lost the, you know, the Hollers and Collins and Marshalls and... Yeah, yeah, the money, uh, yeah. And, and yeah. all those players. Yeah. And I think he, he managed to create a, a pretty competitive side when all of that when all of that went. And yes, it did go wrong at the end. And, mm. and, um, and Yeah, I think, on, but... I think the issue, or well, I might have it wrong, I don't know, but I suspect that he'd lost the changing room at the Ospreys, and that's yeah. what, that was the ultimate reason why he had to go. So how many of the current squad would be that keen to see him back, you know, in another few years, most of them, uh, the older Ospreys players, their international days will be over. So I wouldn't disagree with Steve Dandy coming in at all at some point in the future, because he's done a great job. Mm. Um, since he left the Ospreys, he went down to uh, Super Rugby. I can't remember yeah. which club it was down there. And then came back up with Scotland. And he's done wonders with Scotland. And the yeah, uh, and being uh, a fantastic coach. If anything, he's in, the Ospreys' experience has improved him as a coach, if you know what I mean. So I wouldn't object to him ending up back in the Welsh Cup. I think it might just be a little bit too soon in terms of the relationships that he'd have with the players. When he went, when did he go? About 2017, I would say. We were doing this oh, part. I, I think he went about a year into this, uh, into us doing this. So yeah. about 2017-ish, I would guess. Yeah. And I can't think that... Are there that many players left over from that era? I mean, obviously, Alan Wynn, but... Well, Tiprick, yeah. Adam Beard was still on the scene. Um, I'm not sure Beard was, you know. Uh, maybe not. Mm. But I, it, I can't work out when he was, because it was before the pandemic, and time before the pandemic <laughs> doesn't really <laughs> add up anymore. So I don't know exactly when that was. It, it, I don't think it's... It might not be five years ago, you know. I, I know I could do I just... Text my mate Griffin asking when he left the Ospreys. All right, I could, I, could, I could look at this. I could look at this smartphone that's in my hand and and say, yeah, yeah. Google well, I don't. I don't know. I, even if we had a firm date, I don't know what I would prove. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just think there's at the moment there's too many players around who who uh, have been coached by Steve before. If you know what I mean. 
Mm. It was 2018, by the way. Oh, okay. It was 2018. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's a long yeah. time in rugby, four years, but still. Yeah, yeah, but you're, you're right. There, there would be players around that around that camp who um, who will remember him from uh, from that point in time. So, mm. but again, it's it's whether or not you know his, his stock has obviously risen since then, and if you've got you know if Gatland is there saying right, this is the guy, listen to him, then I don't know. My guess is that you'd probably be inclined to um, well look that uh, inclined to listen. It, it, I, I, it's, it's, you can't really criticise the support staff coaches at the moment because the bug stops with the head guy, but the defence at the moment is no good. No, it's not. And this is the interesting bit is it's very tempting to look at this and say, right, even if it's only for a year, we're back, we're getting the band back together and we're going to go to the World Cup semi-finals again. Mm. We do not have Sean Edwards this time. No. And that is, you know, that is... It's they, been a massive blow. They could go after him after the next World Cup. Uh, Head didn't coach. He sign a four year, didn't he sign a four-year extension? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, you could. Yeah, if you buy him out of that. I mean, he's mm. going to. He wants to be a head coach. Mm. Someone will give him that job eventually. He, stri- yeah. he strikes me as the kind of guy who um, wouldn't get on well at the RFU. I know because they tried to offer him the bloody Saxons job, didn't they? When Wales took him as defence coach, which I believe he was massively pissed off about, and. Um, I don't know. It was a long time ago now. Maybe if they offered him the chance to succeed, Eddie, he might uh, he might take it up. But mm. I mean, look, it, it, he's an exceptional coach. He's a, an era-defining defence coach, and was such a massive part of our success. The issue, uh, I think, with uh, Sean Edwards and possibly being England head coach is they they can't be confident of what he's going to say in a press conference. No, he's likely to lose his temper and just rip the head off someone verbally. In it, and they don't. I mean, he, Eddie's quite spiky. He, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't like. Uh, he doesn't like journalists, does he? No, well, he, he doesn't. He doesn't like speaking to the press. Yeah, well, he doesn't like the scrutiny. Basically, mm. he doesn't like scrutiny. Uh, I think Sean Edwards is more comfortable with that. But at the same time, he could lose his temper over something mediocre and just I blow remember, up. I remember an interview he did with with Ross Harris, where <laughs> he was. I, I don't know whether he tore a strip off him or he just gave him really one-word answers and gave him the absolute death stare the whole time. And Ross is about the nicest guy that you'll that you'll meet in rugby as well. Mm. And you just think that yeah, there's the RFU way of wanting to control a certain image would not fit particularly well with uh, no. with Sean Edwards. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Obviously, you know he's a rugby league legend and all that, but mm. he's giving the death stare to someone and, and he's five foot nothing. <laughs> He's a tiny, tiny man, but he's still pa- frightening. Pound for pound might be one of the hardest players to have played. Well, is without doubt one of, might be the hardest player to have played either code of the game, pound mm. for pound. Because you're right, he's so small, but yeah. so hard. Like He's just made of, of teak. Yeah. I mean, top flight professional at 17. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, just, it's still weird though, isn't it? You know, it, it, like, is it... Um, there's a thing sometimes, <laughs> you know, when you hear stories from like a, being a Cardiff boy, you hear stories from around town where someone's just like bumped into someone in, in a club or in a pub in mm. town. And because they were quite short, they haven't apologized. Mm. And next thing you know, they're on their ass because the tiny bloke has twatted them. <laughs> that's that's Sean Edwards. If you bumped into a bloke, say, oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Just barely drink today. No, no, you're fine. Oh, good. Great. Because it's Sean Edwards, five foot six. You, you just go, oh, whatever. Next thing you know, he's fucking decked you. 
<laughs> I, hear, I hear stories about little little fellas in town who are absolutely nails, and uh, I think. Um, do uh, any of them? Do any of them want a job as Welsh defence coach? <laughs> yeah, or, or I, don't think, I don't. Think even, I don't think even. I don't think even into rugby. It just it probably it probably into boxing. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it, sticking with the rugby league thing is one for you, Murph, because you watch more English rugby than I do. Kevin Sinfield's been involved in Union for a bit now. Is it this season or the season before that you went to Leicester? Season before, I think. Yeah. So he was. Yeah, so he was there season, for the. Yeah. So he was there for the championship when yeah, he signed, right? Yeah. Now, again, he's someone who I'm immensely in awe of, given his... I mean, I remember him as a league player as well and, you know, not dissimilar to Edwards in terms of his, uh, in terms of his toughness um, and his leadership. You know, him bringing those fresh ideas over to Leicester, he's a name that I've heard banded around a bit. I mean, I don't think you're going to get him in the short term, but is he someone you'd like to see in and around the setup? I was. Hmm. No. Really? Yeah. No. He's in his he's he's in his first flush of rugby union, and going back to what we said earlier about having a full on pedigree in the sport. Um, yeah, not as head coach. Yeah, as defence coach. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, he's got a season. He's got a season more top flight rugby experience than Gethin has when he got the job. Yeah, yeah, but there's there's again that that's the uh, that's the Andy Farrell uh, uh, effect in it we, we know that he's one of the finest props ever to pull the shirt on and he was yeah. uh, a great defender and all the other nonsense that goes with it so and, and, was, different... and was coached by Edwards for so long that I think there was a yeah. certain degree of that continuity they were hoping to yeah. bring I, I'm not, the Hayward example didn't work I'm not against uh, Kevin, um, Sinfield coming here as thing but uh, he wouldn't be like top of the list I, I don't know like who would say he's, he's going to be appointed by whoever gets the top job and mm. if he comes here and who would have a connection with him? Like who would, uh, like Gatlin had worked with Sean Edwards before and, you know, it's that kind of connection that would need to be there for it to happen. I think, I don't think they would go out with their way to get him otherwise. Well, his head coach at the moment is Steve Borthwick, who is someone who's got international experience yeah. um, and is, you know, is highly regarded as a, you mm. know, as an English premiership to his title, mm. uh, sorry, to English premiership title to his CV. Mm. Um I wouldn't be surprised if they look at, I'm not saying it will be him, but I wouldn't be surprised if they look at a few of those kind of candidates. But again, to go yes. back to your okay. point. Yes, okay, yeah, fair enough. Is, is, he, is, he, is, he one season, you know, is he one season in and uh, and that's it? Or is there a lot more to come? Because I, I think he does have that. He has that international mm. experience, albeit as a forwards coach, and, and is, is held in high regard. I'm not saying it's the answer. I just wouldn't and he, be surprised. And then he would bring it, want to bring members of his team with him. Yeah. Yeah, he's another one. He's, he's in the betting. Uh, but to me, if I was going... Looking at the, first of all, I'm not a hundred percent sure I want an Englishman in charge of the Welsh team. Mm. It's bad enough having a, having a New Zealander. Um, it's just the way it is. We just not we just don't produce coaches anymore. It's just a thing. Um, but if I was looking at the Gallagher Premiership, I would go straight to Mark McCall. Yeah, uh, that's where I would go if I was looking at uh, you know availability is a different subject altogether, I guess. But that's where I would. He is the guy as far as I'm concerned. And then you got Rob Baxter as well. And and the the uh, the <laughs> Borthwick I can't remember his name yeah. Borthwick thing he is he is fairly new in coaching you know I know he's been assistants elsewhere but as a head coach he's fairly new I don't know what season he's in with Leicester maybe three or four three maybe yeah, yeah. that's a little bit Wayne Pivac <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah no no it's a good chat I um also the the other interesting thing is you know you you cast your mind back to I mean maybe this is when Lancaster got the job but. You know names like Jim Malander and Connor O'Shea, who were like the you know the 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 trendiest coaches in mm. in English Premiership rugby at the time. Mm. 
none of them have coaching jobs anymore. I know Conor O'Shea, you know, Conor O'Shea might be the one who pulls the trigger on Eddie Jones. Um, and Jim Mallander, I think the last time I checked, was doing, he was doing something in Scotland, maybe? But, you know, yeah, none, yeah. none of them are involved in coaching anymore. And no. I, kind of, I kind of wonder, what, why is that? What is it about that, mm. particularly from, from the English Premiership, that your stock can be so high one minute? I know Conor went over to coach Italy. Um, yeah. Well, is it, there's a, it's funny you should say that because it's a similar situation now. Someone like George Skivington is doing a great job at Gloucester. Yeah. Uh, you could imagine in a few years he'll be offered a big job somewhere and then not long after that, not be in coaching again. Yeah. So I, there is a shelf life, you know, with coaches anyway, you know, at any level. And it's only the really, really good coaches that do it year after year after year after year. Um, and, you're right about uh, like Mal- Malander was in charge when they were having all the, the deep runs into the European Cup and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah they got be- to the being in the final, in the final yeah. having been way up sixteen points up at half time yeah. I think or something like that. Oh, uh, he'd be bloody perfect for us then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, sixteen is not enough for us. We wanted, <laughs> we wanted to be over twenty before we start to ship our leads. Thanks very much. Um, so yeah, but they're all a little bit flash in the pan, aren't they? We, we, mm. we, you know, if you're going to give someone shitloads of money to do a really important job, you want them to have um, uh, longer in the job. And in a way, that rules out Ronan Agara. Yeah. He's fairly yeah, new. He is. All right, let's, um, let's just finish then by talking about um, Gatlin, which, you know, even 10 days ago seemed uh, absurd that he might be taking us to a World Cup. Mm. What do you think we can expect? What will be going through his mind if he gets the if he gets this job, um, I think somewhere it'd be like I think there'd be a lot from his point of view because obviously you, you you've spoken to him and uh, you know you're best buds with him now. But well, he, I mean, some <laughs> might say his his stock has risen considerably since yeah. being on this man. Yeah, some yeah, some would say that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, me, me and Dan, and that's it. With, with with that yeah, with that kind of insight into the persona of the man, uh, <laughs> I, I reckon he probably. I I think he's probably at home. Look, if, if this is being talked about, it's probably already a done deal. But when when the whenever it was that they approached him, probably a week ago or whatever mm-hmm. whatever the situation was, he probably had a stiff trick and thought, "Do I want to go through all that again?" <laughs> like how much how much can my agent squeeze out of them to make me to put up put up with that job again and yeah. more importantly what have i got after the world cup and will this cock all that up i can't i can't see that happening you know i think honestly all he needs to do is have a respectable six nations mm. um, and get us out of the pool stages and it will not in the slightest tarnish his reputation no um, no no but the, the the contract negotiation for after the world cup will already be you know the talks oh, will already right, be yeah, yeah. yeah they'll be underway this is, this is, so this so long is a, as it this is a stopgap which yeah you know, will probably make him a, a few bob yeah no i don't i don't think whatever happens in this job is going to affect his next contract but so long as it doesn't get in i know it sounds weird get in the way of his longer term aims if you know what i mean mm. the stopgap is all all it's going to be and that's all i mean that's in a way all Wales need as well. We just need someone quality at short notice, and he yeah. he, uh, he fits the bill. So uh, the only the only question is whether he you know whether he wants to kind of relive all relive it all again. You know the the 
goldfish bowl stuff for both South Wales and you know yeah, all the all the stuff that goes with it. You've only got to do it. You, you know, you've only got to do it for the Six Nations, and then you're you're off. You know, in the presumably you'll. I imagine one of the terms of him taking this, and I don't know this, will be that he also gets to control the the pre Rugby World Cup environment. So where they've done mm. those those spars in the past, and he's been very very prescriptive about, or not him, but his coaching side have been very very meticulous about how they prepare for a Rugby World Cup, and that's why we've we've inherently punched above our weight under him at a World Cup. Mm. It's because of the preparation. We just turn up fitter than uh, many of those World Cups. We turn up fitter than anyone else. Yeah, and and so I think you know. The only bit he's really got to do in the goldfish bowl um, is the Six Nations. If he comes, you know, if he comes back uh, for a couple of games before that, he's going to be greeted by a hero's a hero's welcome at Cardiff Arms Park or Rodney Parade or wherever he goes to watch a game. Mm. Six Nations, providing that goes okay, um, you know, you're, you're then into it. I think he's got a, he's got a free shot this time round. None of the none of the bullshit that that goes with having it full time. Yeah, well, look, well, whoever. Things are so bad at the moment. Whoever comes in has got a free shot, really. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no other, there's no other alternatives. You know, no one, no one's serious. No one else is being seriously mentioned as as an interim coach anyway. So, but whoever, whoever you know, if it was me, you know, I, I, I literally couldn't get any worse from where we are now. So, whoever takes the job for the next twelve months is, if they, you know, obviously if they're a serious coach. It's an it's an open goal because all you've got to do is stop us looking like we've never met. You know that that mm. thing I keep saying: the players go on the pitch looking like they've never met before. And if you get us organised, well, you, you've you'll have everyone on your team. You know the whole the fans and the the media and everything. Everything will be wonderful again. So it's an open goal for whoever takes it. But it just so happens that the only man likely to be available without having to be bought out of fucking loads of uh, contracts is uh, is Warren Gatlin. So you're right; he, he has got an open goal. But at the same time. Like he did twelve years under the microscope, so there will there's got to be some sort of baggage for him coming back. I know it's not going to affect his reputation, and like you say, um, uh, as long as he doesn't have a terrible Six Nations, you know everything probably will go okay for him. But he's still got to, you know, he's he's been out of the limelight, and so there's got to be a part of him thinking, you know. Do I really want to be under that? And then obviously that's where the money comes in. Mm. Yeah, no, it's all uh, all fairly uh, fairly good. Well, not fairly good points. Sorry, that's a horrible thing to say. All good points, Murph. Um, <laughs> fairly <laughs> good, fine. I like take fairly. I mean, fucking yeah. Wayne Pivak, I take fairly. <laughs> Shit, you know. <laughs> um, elsewhere, there was there was some regional rugby this weekend. Did you catch any of that? Yeah, I, I mean, that's the only positive we've had is that uh, unbelievable result in in um, Cape Town. Unbelievable. I I, I, mean, I kept having to check that, like. The uh, sharks weren't putting their youth team out because they were completely dominating them all over the pitch. And we, we've, uh, someone pointed out in comments yesterday, average defeat has been by thirty-one points for every region that's gone to South Africa over the last uh, was it eighteen months or whatever it is. Mm. Average defeat of thirty-one points, and they went thirty-five to nil. Um, uh, Tom's Thomas Young, by the way, like people are saying. Uh, one one of the things that having to go about weighing people about how can you have a Welsh squad without Thomas Young in it? And then, but mm-hmm. who do you drop? Do you drop Tipperick? Well, this this is a great point, and uh, you know your stock always rises when you're not when you're not in. I mean, to be fair to Thomas Young, his stock has consistently risen because no one has really given him a run. But you're right. Who do you drop? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Do you drop Tipperick? But even if you do, you've then got 
Raffle and Morgan and well, uh, Justin Tipperick is our main lineout ball yeah. <laughs> at the moment. Uh, so you, you, the choice would be Jack Morgan or Tommy Raffle, and what have they done to deserve to be dropped? Yeah, you know, you, yeah, you I just. Mean, I mean, Jack, Jack Morgan actually is probably only the only other bright spot of the of the weekend because, yeah, yeah, uh, was, and yeah. I know I know lots of people have, have pointed this out, but he's the same guy who, you know, Pivac said didn't carry strong enough and wasn't. Oh, months ago, enough. left him out of the yeah, squad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. You know, just just looks completely bizarre now. Unless he unless he's been in the gym for those twelve months, which I don't think he has. No. Um, you know, I, it was just an extraordinary thing. It, there are lots of sevens. There are always going to be class players who miss out, and Thomas Young is is one of those who, you know, keeps missing out. Unfortunately, but it wasn't twelve months ago, was it? It was a summer tour. Was it Six Nations? The summer, yeah. no, the summer, the summer tour. Yeah. yeah. To South Africa, he said he's too small to go to South Africa and needs to work on his strength. Well, I mean, he might be. You know, he might might have done that, and that's why he played so well on the weekend, but. Uh, it's just it, we, it's just situation we've been over before. We've got too many sevens, too many good sevens, and you can't pick them all. You just can't. No, you can't. And I'm even, you know, as as brilliant as Jack Morgan has been, I I think there's a proper ding dong for an out and out seven. Whoever takes over, if it's Gatland, I think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna want two sevens in that back row. No, I don't. And know. I wouldn't be surprised actually if he went with Morgan over Tipperick and picked someone else at six. I mean, and. Yeah, he mentioned when we spoke to him that he was so excited to see Lydia back in a, a Welsh shirt. Obviously, he's subsequently picked up an injury, but mm. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go with someone who's much more of a six or a, you know, a a, a, a lock six hybrid with an out and out seven. Well, some um, some players who've fallen out of favour and uh, Pivac are likely to come back. The Ross Moriartys of this world, um, he might he might. Take much. I mean, cl- how mad? How mad does that look? I know. Yeah, you might take a clo- much closer look at uh, Shunza it, actually on the pitch rather than just in the squad. You might take a closer look at people, and uh, even I don't know if he's playing his best rugby. But even uh, Adam, uh, Adam Wainwright was a, a big favourite of. Uh, he wasn't playing his best rugby yesterday afternoon. I tell you that, and no. I love I love Aaron Wainwright, but yeah. he's um, yeah, he, he kept dropping the ball, which is most unlike him. He's mm. Dropped it from two restarts. He dropped <laughs> it when he was clean through on goal. They were the, the dragons weren't terrible in that game either. No, we were right. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, obviously our expectations based on last season are very low because we just yeah. got every team got r- rings run around them. That was hard to say for some reason. Rings run around them last season, and they didn't. You know, they, they yeah. were competitive, and then and then when you admittedly add in the, against the worst of the South African sides, but still, yeah. you know, it was it was there was an area of these are the games I was talking about at the start of the season that the Dragons had to eliminate is losing by 40, 50 points to anyone. You know, you can mm. go and you lose and you may not even be in the game, but you just can't get drugged by sides week in, week out and not expect yeah. it to affect morale. And I, I'm not sure the Lions are the weaker Aussie uh, South African side anymore. Uh, really? I think the Sharks are. Well, based on league position now, mm. Sharks are dropping like a stone. But uh, yeah. And Lions have improved a hell of a lot, you know, the, the way they were playing up here, um, beating... beating uh, yeah, the Ospreys and different sides up yeah. here. They, they, they're a different team, and it's and it's weirdly doing it without any South African stars, which is depressing. Yeah. But um, I believe that's the case. When they were when they had um, that that kind of uh, that purple patch back in Super Rugby, the Lions. I can't remember what they were called at the time. Transvaal, Gauteng mm-hmm. Lions, Gauteng, yeah, they were. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when they had that run, I think it was a squad that was built out of. It uh, wasn't built on, you know, having a, lo- a bucket load of Springbok stars. I think mm. that off the back of it, they they went on to um, went on to play 
play for the national side elsewhere. So you're probably right, they are improving. We'll find out again. I think we've got them again in a fortnight's time in the European Challenge Cup. Go figure. All right. Um, yeah. Home or away? Away. Oh, so, uh, yeah, so we've got, I think, the Stormers next week. And then, anyway, I, I didn't mean to go into a deep dive into the Dragons fixture yeah. list. I just happened to see it earlier. But yeah, yeah. E- either way, a massive result for um, a massive result for Cardiff. And, yeah, well, and, it, it, you know, when they lost that, um, they had the great win against someone Munster. good. Yeah. No, no, uh, more recently than that, wasn't it? Uh, and, and then they played someone away, someone weaker. I can't remember now the details. Yeah, Munster was the first game of the season. Then yeah. they lost away in Scotland. Um, and then, yes, there was a good win recently, Stormers. Stormers at home. And then they had to play someone, Edinburgh, away and got battered away. Mm. And, I, and I, I said on here at the time, the trouble is if they, if they get nothing out of the Edinburgh game, because if they'd won that Edinburgh game, they, they'd have gone fourth or fifth. But if they get nothing out of that, suddenly they've got to go to South Africa twice and they'll get nothing down in South Africa. And now they've got a, a winning bonus point in South Africa. Obviously, the balls are a different prospect altogether, but the most you'd have come expecting to come out of South Africa was yeah, a losing bonus point or two. Or, or, yeah, or, or four tries because mm. the South Africans will lose concentration when they're 40 points up and you maybe might be able to sneak four tries. So the most points they were going to get, in my eyes, on this mini tour, as they call them, was two points. So to be five points up already is... Unbelievable. I mean, um, I, I, if things keep, I don't know how serious this is, but if things keep going this well, they're a bit, um, I don't want to use any glib terms, but they're a bit schizophrenic as a side, and they? They, 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 they can be hot like that. They were yesterday, and equally they can turn a little bit like the national team, actually. Equally they can um, fall apart quite easily. But if they continue on this tra- trajectory, Guy Young might be the next Welsh coach of Wales. Is that is that premature to say that after you know a couple of decent results this season? No, it's I mean, definitely. I, I, it's definitely I, I, really, I really like that. No, no, it's I definitely really premature. Like but mm. I'm I'm not, I'm not thinking the next cycle. Right. Okay. I'm yeah, thinking yeah. years down the line because he's gonna he's gonna have to be good at Cardiff for quite some time to be taken seriously mm. as, a, as a Welsh coach. But if there is going to be a Welsh coach again of the Welsh team, you can't. You, you, who can you imagine it being? Like I, I'm going on the assumption that uh, Cardiff can keep improving under Die Young from where they are now mm-hmm. over a number of seasons, then that would be the only man in the running to be Welsh coach who is actually Welsh. Yeah, because there's I mean, no. We have yeah, we we have actually got three Welsh coaches in charge of the regions at the moment, which is the first time that's happened for quite a while, isn't it? I remember mm. us doing a season preview maybe only two seasons ago where there were none. And um, and obviously dies in charge at Cardiff. Another die down the road. Um, and there's Welsh coaches. And then Peel as well. There's, there's Welsh coaches dotted around as assistants or or mm. you know forwards coaches or defence coaches dotted around other places. But none of them are none of them are serious contenders to be next Welsh coach. So Di Young is probably the only serious contender around who is Welsh. He's not going to get in in the next twelve months or even anytime soon. But if he continues, like obviously this, like I said, the, the Cardiff side are a little bit schizophrenic. You don't know which, a bit French actually. You don't know which side is going to turn up. Yeah. Um, but if the general trend is upwards, as it has been, I would say from, well, they were in a hole when they at the end of last season, so it was fairly early days. But if the general trend is up, they continue with this this season and have another good season after that. Suddenly, uh, Da Young becomes. Um, well, he's the only candidate now, but he become, becomes a very strong 
candidate to be the next actual Welshman in charge of the Welsh team. Yeah, and it does just make a massive difference in terms of the overall interest in in the game. You know, to to have a I don't I don't just mean Cardiff because it's the capital, but just to have the regions being competitive and winning games. You know, mm. it's um, I, I think because we watch it week in week out, I kind of become almost a bit blind to the fact that they lose every week. Yeah. Uh, or not every week, but you know, have been on such a bad run for such a number of years that even if you go back ten years, it wasn't as bad. It wasn't anywhere near as bad as this. If you were to plot the the decline of of all four collectively, um, it was nowhere near as bad as it is now. So I, I hope that this is the start of a of a recovery for mm. for one and ideally all of the regions to uh, to be able to cling on to. So um, mm. yeah, we'll see. But as we said, that brings us back to the to the lack of. Um, to the lack of structure around the regional game, they still don't know what the what the playing budgets will be for next year, um, no, amongst yeah. various other problems, or even if they'll all be there. So yeah, mm. we'll um, watch with uh, watch with bated breath. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, one thing we do know is that we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back with you next week. Uh, we'll be probably dealing with the fallout of um, of whatever has happened in the rest of this week. It feels like it's like Welsh rugby has gone back into those days of. Uh, of, of what we kind of remember growing up, Murph, you know, mm. running through coaches, firing them just before World Cups, things like that. So yeah, um, not not entirely clear who is making the terrible decisions at the top. Yeah. Just like a faceless organization, faceless that, blazers. Yeah, yeah, that just makes shit decisions on a regular basis. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, mm. we, uh, just want to point out we're recording this in the afternoon. Uh, but we don't normally, as you know, well, you know that, but the, maybe the listeners don't. And I've been drinking coffee. Uh, instead of San Miguel Especial, which I normally have uh, to hand when we're recording on a Sunday night. So there's been a lack of expletives on my part this week. And yeah. I've I just noticed that maybe coffee is the way forward. When I, <laughs> sometimes I have an espresso to wake myself up before and then a can of Especial while I'm recording. And as the podcast goes on, I get more and more foul-mouthed. But uh, I've been very respectful today. I think I've only done about two or three. Yeah, we've had a couple words. of bollocks, a couple of yeah. piss. I don't think it, I don't yeah, think yeah. bollocks counts as a swear word. No, no. I mean, if you said bollocks in America, they wouldn't even know what that was. So, <laughs> therefore, therefore, you know, it's like it's like feck. You know, yeah, it's it's a different vowel. It's not the same. So um, and and on uh, on that beautiful segue, um, <laughs> a thank a thank you as always to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Um, what was it? What was it like to say, Murph? Caffeine, not nicotine. Uh, uh, caffeine not nicotine kids <laughs> um, so yeah with that in mind if you want to get some if you want to get some great quality coffee you can do that over at socoffeetrades.co.uk Scott if you're listening to this please send me the stuff that you owed me and, uh, and we'll get some sent to Murph as well uh, yes please keep, keep, keep him off the San Miguel's for, uh, for a couple of minutes yeah yeah um, but I'm sure the listeners I'm sure the listeners want to hear you uh, I find I get just as just, I, just as dehydrated on either coffee or alcohol to be honest so yeah. It's just whether we want Sweary Murphy or... <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure the listeners do. Um, yeah, and so, hopefully some incarnation... Fuck them, I don't care what they think. <laughs> yeah. well, some, some incarnation of him will be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.